Hello and welcome everybody. Welcome in to episode 81 of WFS The Will Ford Show. Great to be back. These first couple weeks of school have been pretty hectic for me. I am I've officially begun my new position at Orbit Media uh, at Muskingum University where I go to school. I am the sports director for Orbit Media. Very exciting, also very challenging, but I'm excited to be where I'm at doing a lot of stuff for Muskingum University. I am the radio voice of Muskingum University football, which is um, exciting. Called their first game today and they, they got a victory in week one. So I'm very excited about that, but that's what's been taking up a lot of my time and that's been my focus. And so it's nice for me to be able to sit down with you and talk to you about some national sports here in episode 81. In today's episode, we're going to go over, uh, rather tonight's episode, actually. It's uh, almost 10 o'clock at night on September 7th on a Saturday. Uh, We're going to talk about some big news in the NFL, Antonio Brown, his situation being cut by the Oakland Raiders and moving on to a new team. going to finish off my NFL record predictions because I still have two divisions left and football officially started uh, Thursday. Uh, but I already had the NFC North out of the way, and that was an NFC North matchup. So we've got the NFC East and the NFC South to do. Or actually, the NFC West, excuse me. We'll talk about the Ezekiel Elliott extension and also some U.S. Open tennis at the end of the episode. But to start out, the Antonio Brown saga continues in Oakland. So much has been going on with Antonio Brown in the last couple of weeks. It would be difficult for me to even start. Uh, with everything that's transpired over the last couple of months of this this offseason, preseason. I guess the first thing that we start with is Pittsburgh trades him to Oakland for a third and a fifth round pick. People think it's not a great deal for Pittsburgh. I always thought of it as an addition by subtraction, getting rid of a guy who was cancerous in the locker room. I think Pittsburgh got better as a result of it. And then Oakland gains a talented player who they need on the outside for Derek Carr in order to, for him to develop as a passer. Hasn't really reached that full potential yet. He had a great season a couple years ago, and then injuries and lack of talent around him have hampered his ability to become great. But then this helmet situation with Antonio Brown starts up. He wants his old helmet, and he doesn't want to use the new one that was issued to him by the NFL, the ones that are meant to be safer the NFL has a rule in place that helmets are not allowed to be used after they've been out for longer than 10 years. So once they hit that 10-year mark, they're no longer allowed to be used. And Tony Brown was aware of that, forced to wear a new helmet. The, only, the reason why he didn't want to wear it wasn't because of the functionality of it. It wasn't because it hampered his ability to play football, catch the ball. It didn't, it didn't affect his ability to see. He just didn't like the look of it. And to me, that's just a very, very petty reason to not play football because you just don't want to wear the helmet because it doesn't look good to me that doesn't if you like if you're a nfl star if i'm an nfl star i don't care what helmet i'm wearing i don't care what my number is on my back i'm playing in the nfl i'm making millions of dollars like antonio brown is and if you have passion for the game and you want to win and you want to play then you're going to play and clearly antonio brown was just not in the state of mind of playing football. So he filed for a grievance twice, lost both of those. He had frostbite on his feet from being in one of those, I forget what the technical term for these chambers are, but basically they're these, 
it's like a dry ice chamber essentially you're inside you're inside this chamber and it's meant to help with very quick recovery of your muscles after workouts very intense workouts and i'm guessing he was in there too long or maybe just made too much direct contact with the chamber on the inside and basically frost bit his feet and that hampered him for a while and then he was getting into it with mike mayock and john gruden over these last two weeks the raiders wrestled with suspending him holding him out of week one and in doing so being able to have the option to cut him after week one by not having him play then they said he was gonna play then they said he was suspended again then he was gonna play again and then now here we are with Antonio Brown being cut and within hours of him being on the market. That's very funny to me. The New England Patriots of all teams picked up Antonio Brown, signed him to a one-year $15 million deal, $9 million guaranteed. Uh, I believe the other five or six uh, is with incentives. The Patriots of all teams picked up Antonio Brown. That's funny to me. Uh, if any team can make Antonio Brown work and can fix him. It's the Patriots. And this is very reminiscent of a particular player in mind, one who was traded from the Oakland Raiders to the New England Patriots 12 years ago, Randy Moss. As we all know, Randy Moss had problems of his own. Uh, He was a bit of a diva. He was a personality, not to the extent of Antonio Brown. He didn't go through any of these kinds of situations. But nonetheless, he was still a controversial player potential locker room cancer and he was playing poorly when he was with Oakland in two seasons with the Raiders he had 42 receptions 553 yards and three touchdowns albeit with uh, not too steady quarterback play they were going back and forth between two quarterbacks at the time back in 2007 but he wasn't producing those were the worst numbers of his career And the Raiders traded him away for a fourth-round pick. And the Patriots got him and then turned him into the best receiver in in the league. He had a career year with the Patriots, played there for a couple of years, and then more issues came about, and his personality got the best of him. And after he left New England, that was essentially the end of his run in the NFL But this Antonio Brown situation reminds me of that a little bit. A guy who has some locker room issues and just gets traded away. The funny thing about this is, and this really sucks for Raiders fans. To to all Raiders fans out there who, if you're listening to this podcast, you stumble across this. I am so sorry. I really am sorry for you. Antonio Brown, all he did was suit up for you. He did not set foot on the field and play a snap. In an Oakland Raiders uniform. I don't even think he played in preseason. And that really sucks. That's the funny thing about all of this. You traded away a third and a fifth round pick to get him. Doesn't sound like too much. But those are draft picks. And now you don't even have the guy you traded for on your team. The Raiders were able to waive the $20 million, $29 million they owed Antonio Brown. But good gosh, I mean, this situation is incredible to me. I was left speechless when I found out that he wasn't going to play and then was cut and then was picked up by, of of course, all teams, the New England Patriots. You just couldn't. This is a situation you couldn't write. Some of the best writers in the world and 
some of these playwrights and 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 movie people they couldn't write a story like this shakespeare couldn't have written this it's unbelievable to me how this played out and i am still kind of without words on how this just all unfolded i i really don't get it now antonio brown is not going is still not going to be able to play in week 1 uh, for the new england patriots and it's really funny <laughs> It's funny how it all comes full circle. Week one, the Patriots play against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's re- it's really too bad that he can't play because that is that would just be too good of a story for him to play the Patriots in week one and potentially just light them up. This is a story you couldn't write. I want to shift now to Ezekiel Elliott and his extension that he signed with the Dallas Cowboys. He was holding out throughout the entire offseason and preseason. and Wanted to be the highest paid running back in the NFL. He has two rushing titles in his first three seasons as a Cowboy. Arguably the best running back in the league. Certainly, I think the most complete back. Running the football, catching it out of the backfield. He's much improved that. And he's the best in the league at picking up the blitz and protecting the quarterback. A very rare to find in a running back. And he is a complete back. He gets his money. He's going to make $15 million a year annually. Six years, $90 million. That is. Uh, $600,000 more uh, annually than Todd Gurley. He's going to be the highest paid back. He's going to return to the Cowboys, and he's going to be ready for week one against the New York Giants. The Cowboys, I think, have now one of the more complete rosters in the NFL, one of the better teams. They're one of the better teams in the NFL, and I think they're on track with the talent they have on this team and the way they're structured to win another NFC East crown. Mind you, it hasn't been done in a very long time, back-to-back division winners in the NFC East. But I think they can do it this year, break that trend. And I think they're one of the four best teams in the league, honestly. I, I think with the Eagles and the Rams and uh, probably the Chargers on the other side, as far as the roster goes, the Cowboys are looking good. Zeke's going to be back. Zeke and Dak in tandem. Amari Cooper, a full season with the Cowboys. I'm really interested to see how this plays out for the Cowboys. I think it can be really good for them. Me personally, I wouldn't have paid Zeke $15 million. I've talked about this on on earlier episodes. Number one, Zeke is not dependable to stay out of trouble year by year. And number two, the shelf life of running backs is just so short. Once you hit the age of 30 as a running back, if you're not Adrian Peterson, you're pretty much done. So really, the NFL career, the life and the basically the the career expectancy of an NFL running back is around seven, six years, seven years. That's why I would be hesitant to pay Zeke, but he is the best running back in the league, and the Cowboys felt the need to get it done, and they did. Uh, but moving on now to some NFL record predictions. We've got two more divisions to wrap up before we uh, get to the start of this season, starting tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We'll start with the NFC East. NFC East consists of the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Washington Redskins, and the New York Giants. Um, this division to me is relatively simple. 
um, because I know the Gi- I know the Redskins and the Giants are going to be at the bottom of the division. They're two rebuilding teams. Both are likely going to be starting rookie quarterbacks at some point during the season, and I feel like the Giants are going to run Saquon Barkley into the ground. Similarly, in Washington, they're going to run their running backs into the ground. Darius Geis is going to return this year from that ACL injury, but they're going to be at the bottom of the division. It's really going to be a two-team race between the Cowboys and the Eagles. This is why I think the Cowboys are going to win the division this year. The Cowboys have one of the more unique schedules in the NFL. It's a first-place schedule because they are a division winner, and they're going to play tougher teams. But their schedule is really interesting, and here's the reason why. The way it's structured, when uh, when they play certain teams and the teams that they play at those times is really interesting to me. Three of the first four games, they should start off, theoretically, three and one. They're playing three rebuilding teams in the first three weeks, the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. Those sh- should be three wins consecutively. Week four, you're going to New Orleans to play the Saints. The Saints always start off the year hot. And New Orleans is one of the tougher places to play in the NFL. That could be a loss there. I can see that being a loss. And that's a primetime game. It's going to be rocking in New Orleans. Then you play the Packers at home in a game that you're likely going to be favored in. Yes, the Packers are much improved. Yes, the Packers won against the Bears the other night. That's something we'll get into. But I think that's a winnable game. You're at home. You're going to be favored. Then the next game you're playing against the Jets. Jets are still coming into their own. Sam Darnold's second season. They're not going to be great yet. Then you play the Eagles. You're going to play the Eagles twice in the season. You're likely going to split because they're the best two teams. They usually split year after year. The Cowboys did win both matchups last year. And in that division, the Cowboys are guaranteed at least five. I would say... Uh, At least four wins, probably five, if they split with the Eagles. Then, in the next few weeks following, you're playing the rebuilding Giants, a Kirk Cousins-led Vikings team that I don't love, the Lions, who are a poorly run team and terribly average and never talked about how bad they've been. Then you're traveling to Foxborough Foxborough for a 425 game against the Patriots. That's probably a game that you would lose. But then you're playing a short week, a Thursday night game, Thanksgiving, against the Buffalo Bills who are rebuilding. You couldn't ask for a better matchup on a short week. Then you follow that up with the Bears a week later on a Thursday. Then you play the Rams on a long week. You get a 10-day break. You play the Rams at home. Cowboys are going to be rested and... They're going to have a great shot to win that game. Then they close out the rest of the season with division rivals. Cowboys have a tremendous shot to go 11-5 and this season, win their division. That's what I think they're going to do, go 11-5. and If you're looking at the Philadelphia Eagles, I think they're just going to be a tick behind the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, They do play teams like the Green Bay Packers, the Atlanta Falcons, who I think are going to win their division this year, Um, the Patriots. They even play the Seahawks, who have... uh, Emerge. They have Jadavion Clowney, which is something we haven't talked about either. They traded for Jadavion Clowney from the Houston Texans. It's a problem when I have such big gaps between episodes. I, I miss a lot. I think they're going to be right behind the Cowboys, right at 10 and 6, 9 and 7. I'm just not sold on Carson Wentz getting through a full season yet. Uh, and then 
like I said, Washington and and the Giants, they'll be at the bottom. The Giants probably will probably win two games. Redskins will win three or four. Um, that's that's the bottom line on that. Cowboys win the division eleven and five. Eagles second in the division at around ten and six or nine and seven. Could make a wild card spot, and then Giants and Redskins at the bottom. Moving on to the NFC West to close out our NFL record predictions, my NFL record predictions for the 2019 season. Uh, We'll start things off with the San Francisco 49ers. They are returning Jimmy Garoppolo, who's coming off that ACL injury. Their offense, I think, is going to be very, very good. George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the league and a very good vertical deep threat. Dante Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, Matt Breida, Jarek McKinnon's going to be out for another season for them, which is unfortunate. But they did add Tevin Coleman on offense as well. And then their defense, they had a lot of pieces on defense. So I think they're going to be a pretty good team. If we're looking at their schedule here, they're opening up their season against the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Cincinnati Bengals. Those are two wins right there in a row. Then they play the Steelers uh, in a home game, probably lose that game. Then they play against the Browns. We'll probably lose that game. Then they play against the Rams. We'll probably lose that game. They'll be two and three. But then their schedule softens up a little bit. They've got the Redskins, Panthers, Cardinals, Seahawks, Cardinals. That's probably another four wins right there. Um, They play the Saints later in the year in December. The Falcons, uh, Rams again. Their schedule is pretty tough. They do play the Packers as well. But this is a team that I think can go 9-7 and seven and make a wild card push. I don't think they'll win their division. I think they'll be second in the division. I think the Rams are still going to be right there at the top. And that's who we'll look at next. The LA Rams, first place schedule. They open up the year against the Panthers, Saints, Browns, Bucks. That's probably three wins in four of those games. Then Seahawks, Niners, Falcons, Bengals. The first half of the schedule looks pretty darn good. Then you hit November, you've got the Steelers, the Bears, the Ravens. Those are three very tough games. Uh, You have the Cowboys, like I mentioned, later on in December. The schedule does get a little tougher towards the middle and closer to the end, but the Rams are still going to be a very good team. Likely an 11 and 5, 12 and 4 team. Uh, and then the Seahawks, they're going to be kind of floating around the middle. They're going to be around an 8 and 8 team. You know, they play the Browns, Steelers. I believe they play the Chargers. No, that is not the Chargers. I was looking at, they played the Chargers in preseason, excuse me. Uh, but they also play the Eagles. It's just, it's, they're just not as great of a team. I think their defense is much improved, but with how competitive their division is. And I think the 49ers are going to make a big jump. The Seahawks are going to be around that nine and seven, eight and eight range could potentially steal a wild card spot like they did last year. But I'm not sure if I foresee that. And then the Cardinals rookie quarterback, Kyler Murray, who a lot of people think is going to light the world on fire. I'm going to believe it when I see it. Their offensive line isn't good. David Johnson didn't have a great year last year. 
the defense isn't fantastic, they're likely a four-win team. But that pretty much rounds out my NFL record predictions. Cowboys winning the NFC East and the Rams winning the NFC West. Uh, So I want to get back into my primetime predictions that I started last year. I wasn't too bad at them last year. I don't think I kept the record for that long. Like kept track of kept track of you know what my record was, how well I was doing. I think I did pretty good early on, and then kind of just lost track by the end. But I did predict the Packers over the Bears on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, that was my first tweet in a while. I know I'm terrible at social media, but that's fine. Uh, I predicted a 28-17 win. Ended up being 10 to three. That was my second guess. Obviously, very much a defensive battle. Five sacks apiece for both of those teams. The lone touchdown of the game scored by Jimmy Graham on an eight-yard touchdown pass, a jump ball throw thrown up to Jimmy Graham, who's excellent at high-pointing the ball. Uh, the Packers, look out for them this year. Certainly a team to watch because their defense is far improved. Aaron Rodgers is healthy. I like them this year. So that's that's one win. Looking at these other primetime games that we have, America's Game of the Week tomorrow is the New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys will win that game. Giants are rebuilding. Not sure if they're starting Eli or Daniel Jones. Probably Eli for at least the first couple games until they hit the tank. Cowboys with Zeke back. Amari, full season. Dak, Randall Cobb, healthy defense. They'll win tomorrow. Steelers at the Patriots. This is a very interesting game to me. If Antonio Brown was playing... It would be really exciting, but obviously he's not going to play because he was just signed today. I'm going to go with the Steelers. Uh, the Patriots always start off slow. They usually go around one and two or one and three to start the year. They start off really slow. People t- start to count them out, and then they just rattle off a lot of wins, finish 11 and five by the end of the year, and end up going to the Super Bowl. So uh, Pittsburgh will win tomorrow. Texans against the Saints. That's going to be played uh, in New Orleans. Saints are going to win that game. The Saints always start off the year hot. I do love the Texans, though. They got rid of Jadavion Clowney, but didn't really fit in their defensive scheme with J.J. Watt. Wasn't really comparable to J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt is just far better for that defense. And the offense, they traded for Laramie Tunzel from Miami. They drafted uh, some offensive linemen this year in the draft. Their offensive line is better. It's going to protect Deshaun Watson better. They're going to be a good good team this year, but the Saints are going to win week one because they always start off hot. And then (laughs) I feel bad, but the the last game I have on here, because it is a Monday night game, I believe it's Monday at 10. It's where they stack the the 8.30 and then the 10 o'clock. It's Broncos at the Raiders. That's really sad. Raiders fans are probably just praying to go to Las Vegas by now. I'm going with the Broncos. The Raiders are just a dumpster fire, man. I remember I titled a a previous episode, Dumpster Fire in Oakland. I forget what episode that was, but it was a while ago, and it is still a dumpster fire in Oakland. John Gruden might be the worst coach in the NFL right now. And people are going to argue, well, he won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers way back when. That wasn't his team. He took over a team 
that was built and constructed by Tony Dungy, who is a legendary Hall of Fame coach. John Gruden, I think, just caught lightning in a bottle and was able to put the team over the top, and they won the Super Bowl. Since then, he has done jack squat, and he has put the Oakland Raiders in the tank. He let Khalil Mack walk out the door. He didn't even meet face-to-face with Khalil Mack. Luckily, he was able to at least meet with Antonio Brown before he left. John Gruden's a joke in my book. Not a great coach at all. Raiders are going to have a terrible, terrible season. Broncos will win, and they'll start off the year on a, on a good note, I guess. But that's it for the NFL. We'll shift now to U.S. Open tennis. I've been following it a lot, especially on the women's side. The women's side has been very interesting. I'm a big Federer fan. Federer lost in the quarterfinals to Grigor Dimitrov, who has resurged. A lot of people now are questioning uh, Federer's health, his age. He said he's not retiring. Still one of the best, best tennis players in the world. Just had a hiccup against Dimitrov. Um, Nadal and Medvedev. Rafael Nadal is a two seed in the tournament. And then Daniil Medvedev is a number five seed. They're going to be playing in the final tomorrow. Nadal is the clear-cut favorite. He'll likely win his 19th major and be one behind Roger Federer, who's the only man in professional tennis with 20 major titles. So he'll be within one after tomorrow when he does win because he's going to win. And the field for the men has been largely weak this year. Federer lost in the quarterfinals. Djokovic lost in an earlier round, really freed things up, and Nadal is now the clear-cut favorite. Looking at the women's side, the women's final was played today between 19-year-old Canadian Bianca Andreescu playing in her first major final, and Serena Williams looking for her 24th major title and going for her 7th U.S. Open title. They faced off today, and Bianca Andreescu pulled off the upset, winning in straight sets 6-4, uh, in a match where Serena struggled on serve a lot, could not get anything going, a lot of double faults. She lost the first set on a double fault. It just wasn't a great day serving for her. And whenever she gets down and her confidence gets low, I mean, she's borderline on the verge of tears. And she just can't have that. That's why she's losing in these finals. Last year against Naomi Osaka, she had a meltdown in the U.S. Open final. She lost to Simona Halep this year at Wimbledon. She lost to Angelique Kerber last year at Wimbledon. She plays really well and gets to the final of these tournaments and falls apart. And that's also combined with the fact that these players are bringing their A game, playing their the best matches that they can play. Bianca Andreescu is a 19-year-old. She's my age. I'm 19. I turned 20 years old. In eight days, Bianca Andreescu is my age, and she's winning Grand Slams in professional tennis. To me, that is remarkable, and that is something that I will always marvel at. And I do like to play tennis with friends, but I suck at tennis. Sounds like I need to be taking notes from Bianca Andreescu and watching how she does it, because she's my age, and she is really, really good. And she's one for one in major finals. So that's just something that I'm always going to marvel at as a sports fan is people my age winning at the highest level. Bianca Andreescu dominating Serena Williams. And she wins 6-4, 7-5. 
she was up 5-1 serving for the match and she was up two breaks and lost both of those breaks she hic- she she hiccuped twice but was able to break break her go up 6-5 and then break her again and very fortunate but basically dominated Serena Williams for a couple hours very exciting stuff but that's going to do it for episode 81 very much looking forward to the NFL season starting tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. Follow me on there as well. Follow my Facebook page, the Will Ford Show. I'm almost at a hundred followers on the Facebook page. I may have even hit a hundred. I saw I had a notification earlier with one like, so I think I hit a hundred. But like it anyways, and just put me over a hundred. Uh, But we'll see you in episode 82. It's WFS.